0: his name you know when growing up listening to um the various songs that would be sung in church it would always be and they never had lyrics to it it was just you know someone caught a beat and they just changed the words as songs went on it's a lot of the songs beats sound the same and they would just begin to sing jesus 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 And I'm like, okay, you know, we clapping and then it's Jesus on the main line. Then tell him what, I mean, we just went down the list and we would call his name. And I think to to myself, wow, it's something in that name. You know, we can call and, you know, the sports teams are playing today. Um, I'm not for, I'm not going for anybody per se because none of my teams are playing. They're currently at home, bless their little hearts. But what I think is interesting, we can call the name of so many things and people and we'll never get the result that when we call on that great name, Jesus will yield. So if you can go with me, we're going to be looking in the book of John. We're going to be in verse chapter 14, verse 14, and we're going to be going through a few scriptures. But first, let's go to a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. You didn't have to do it, but you saw fit, and I say thank you. God, thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins, trespasses, wrongdoings, shortcomings. God, thank you that you don't see me just where I'm at, but you see where I'm going, and you see where you would have me to be. So God, at this moment, in this sacred space, God, remove me out of the way. Change my voice that they might hear a word from you. Remove me that they might see and hear you speak to them just as you spoke to me. Because at the end of the day, God, it's all about you. It's you, God, that we, de- that we desire to have more of. So, God, word our mouths, oh, God. Help us to speak through and on your word. Help it to be come alive and rhema to someone that's listening. And, God, let the word that falls on good soil take root, O oh God, that it can continue to spring forth and bring forth good fruit in its season. So, God, let every word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, for you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The passage that we're going to look at, John 14, Before we get to the 14th verse, we know that Jesus is speaking. Growing up, my dad bought me a Bible pretty much every birthday. I think he was trying to tell me something. And I remember one of the first Bibles I got, Dad, it was the Kingdom Kids Bible. It had pictures. It was good. But they made sure whenever time Jesus spoke, even in the kid Bible, that you had red letters. I like that. As I got older, he brought me a new King James Version Bible with my name on it. He put Sister Camille Perry on it. And I was like, oh, thanks, Dad. Still got that Bible in my office today. And it got the red letters in it. The font is much smaller. Back then, it wasn't a problem. But I have aged substantially. So the font is not as the same. But I remember reading through the book of John, and one of the reasons why I love the book of John as he is writing, but he's pinning from the words that Christ spoke, He he was taking notes, detailed notes of what Jesus said. And I'm looking at John 14, and the first thing that Jesus says in John 14 is, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he begins to tell him that in my father's house there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you that when I come again, I will receive you unto myself. Oh, man, it's, it's a good dialogue in John 14. Because the disciples are asking questions. Jesus, where are you going? Hold on now. What you mean? You going? to? Pre- I thought we, we got plans next Friday. He said, I do too. That's not in there. That's just my commentary. But they're having this conversation, and the questions are being asked, and And really what I got out of Brother Chucky is that they were asking questions and they were trying to get an understanding where God, where Christ Jesus, the one that they have been hanging with for the past three years, is getting ready to go. He's been telling them from the beginning, I have to do the work of him who sent me. I have to pay a price for each and every one of you, even those that you ain't never even seen. I have to give myself as a ransom. And he's trying to let them know, take comfort. Not only am I going away, but I'm when I'm away, I'm doing something for you again. And not only am I going away, but I'm coming back. So he's letting them know, and they're having these questions, they're having the dialogue, and he says, "I need you to know the intimate relationship that I have with the triune God—God God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit." He's letting—he's in that whole chapter 14. We see the Trinity. He—we see the triune Godhead. In full workings, because this is the same chapter where he promises them the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm going to leave you with another comfort. You ain't going to be by yourself. He'll testify and preach and remind you of everything I told you. But one of the verses that stuck out to me, Jesus was saying, listen, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So the title today is, it's all in his name. When we pray, and, you know, there's other religions, other theologies, other belief systems. That's their business. And they pray and they offer donuts and cookies and snacks, monies and various things to idol gods. that can't do nothing for them. Man-made carving images. There's folks that might call out a name of another false demigod. But nothing will happen because that's not the God of heaven and earth. I hate to say it, but it's the truth. And we have to understand that even when we're praying, and, you know, some people pray to the various saints of old, praying to Peter and St. Jude, but none of them died on the cross. Matter of fact, Peter ran and hid, said he didn't even know who Jesus was. They was like, we got pictures of you with him over at the post office. But we have to understand that when we pray, the only name that we should be concerned with in asking in anything is in Jesus' name. We address Heavenly Father. Jesus told us how to pray. He gave us the recipe. He said, if, you know, when you start off, our Father, which art in heaven, understand who you're speaking to. Hallowed be thy name. Understand his deity and his power. And your kingdom, you know, he tells us how to pray. But he also says, when you are praying, just, you want to get a result? Say my name. It's kind of like when we send a referral, when I, Amanda might ask me for this or that. I'm like, tell them Camille sent you. That's nice in that respect. But isn't that wonderful when you have a concern in your life, in your business, in your marriage, in your relationship? And Jesus said, just tell the Father I sent you. Ask in my name. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So let's talk about his name. Over in Matthew 1, where it all begins from a New Testament perspective, because we know that God is eternal. Before there was time, he existed. He is the self-existing God. But in Matthew 1, here we see the angel is talking to Joseph. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for what she, for, which, for that which she is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. Y'all can say it louder than that. Jesus. That's right. I even heard y'all on Zoom. For he will save his people from sin. You know, growing up in school, they teach you to qualify a statement. And if you read the word of God, it's nothing but qualifying statements from heaven above. God says he will do something, and he said, let me qualify how much I'm going to do it. And then he shows you how he's going to do it. Let's look over in the book of Luke. Here is where the angel comes to Mary. Verse 31 of chapter 1 says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and, he, and shall call his name. The answer's on the board, y'all. Jesus. It's the same one from the last scripture. Let's try it again. This is a, this, we're a teaching church, amen. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and so shall call his name. Jesus. There we go. We want 100% class participation in this, Amen because it says he will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David just qualifying the statement of what's all in his name i look at these passages and it's it helps me to understand that when we look through scriptures even in the old testament we see places where christ is mentioned before he's even physically manifested in human form. Well, let's take a look over in Isaiah. We just came out of Advent season and Christmas, and we read this quite a bit. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm just trying to help you qualify what's in his name. Here's my own. Let's look over in Judges. Because there's some Christophanies where there's a pre um, the pre-incarnate Christ is, is shared in the Old Testament. And even in New Testament, Christophanies, some theologians state that it's after his ascension when people would see him like when Saul was on the the road to Damas- uh, road to, uh, Saul of Tarsus was on his road to Damascus and had that encounter. They mentioned that as another Christophany. But over in Judges, my mother and I were talking, and she shared this with me. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember this story. This is about Samson. Before Samson became Samson, before he was born, the angel of the Lord came and spoke to his parents. And Manoah asked the angel of the Lord over in verse 17 of Josh- Judges 13, what is your name? Manoah wanted to know who who is you that just told me all these things that I got to do for my boy? I just need to know. So, I, when my wife asked me why we're going to name him Samson, why he has to have his Nazarite vow, why he can't ever drink no wine, why he can't ever cut his hair, I want to know who sent. And he says, He asked angel, Lord, what is your name? For when all this comes true, I want to honor you. The angel, Lord says, Why do you ask my name? It is too wonderful for you to understand. Listen, there's so many times in scripture, and I got one more that we're going to look at, where Christ makes his appearance before we know him as the the human form Christ. Because just as we talked in Power Hour, from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, God's plan is at work. He repeats himself often so we can get it. He makes sure that we have a clear understanding of who he is. So over in Joshua, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Who you with? What side you banging? He says, Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence and says, I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. This is important for us to know that this is the Christ here because angels are never to be worshipped. They are never to be praised. Let me repeat that. Angels are never to be worshipped. They're never to be praised. Why? Because they're not God. And God said, I will share my glory with no one. There was an angel by the name of Lucifer one day back in eternity. So who wanted some glory so much. So Jesus said, I saw him falling out of heaven like lightning through the earth. And when I tell you that God is serious, when it comes down to I'm not going to share my glory with anybody, he means that thing. Amen. So that's why we have to get into the modality and the understanding and the, and the conviction of to God be the glory. Yes. You might be skilled in certain areas and have different anointings and giftings on your life, but it's God who gave it to you, not you yourself. Right. He says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he told. And so I'm just giving you some qualifying scriptures when we talk about it's all in His name. Sometimes, not sometimes. We live in a world right now where everybody wants to say everybody else's name, but Jesus. I need us to be very clear in our understanding. And I'm looking at some saved and sanctified folks, filled with the pressure, of the Holy Ghost, mighty, burning fire. So this doesn't necessarily apply to you, but maybe you know somebody. So many times we'll hear folks, these gurus, these social media influencers saying, oh, you just got to speak to yourself and, and, and the God in you because you are a God. Mm-mm. Hold on, homie. Here's what I can do. I can take a little bit of that, but not all of it because here's the issue. David encouraged himself in the Lord. So if I'm going to speak to myself, I need to speak God's word over myself. Let's just keep it in context. If I, you know, I need to remember the scriptures where Jesus says to us, for us to know Him and the power, you know, for us to identify with Him. And He's even in Psalms one thirty nine. He helps us to know. David writes that, and He's praising God for Him being fearfully and wonderfully made. These are things that I can hold on to. But when you make the statement, "I'm the God," mm-mm. No, now you're in treacherous territory. You're at a place where you might get a, a handwriting written and letting you know that your, your life is required of you on this night. Who wants that? We have to understand that in our flesh, the Bible says this, dwells no good thing. So I don't care how many accolades you got on the wall. I don't care how many times they say how great thou art at your job, school, or place of employment, wherever you might be. But at the end of the day, it's he that has made you, not we ourselves. If you want some, you know, background scriptures on that, check out King Nebuchadnezzar. God warned him, sent the man of God a few times. Hey, bro, take down that golden image. He don't like that. No, I don't think you should do it. You making other people bow to you? No, that ain't going to be good. He was like, what's going to happen? Mm, ain't nothing going to happen to me. Next thing you know, they was like, can you go out there and feed Uncle, Uncle Nebuchadnezzar? He out there grazing. And his nails grew out like talons." We have to understand that when God said, I am the jealous God, I, will, I, I am jealous for you. And I will share my glory with no He means that. Take him at his word. So the title today is, again, it's all in his name. I try to give you all scriptures to help you understand who we're talking about. Because some folks might refer to Jesus as King of Glory. That's good. Some might say Wonderful Counselor. That's good. Some might say Redeemer. That's good. All of this is great. But we have to know that it's the name Jesus that shifts atmospheres. Let me tell you a little story that happened over in Acts 3, verses 1 through 8. What I love about the Lord is that when he, before he departed and ascended back into heaven, before the the crucifixion over in John 14, he's teeing up his disciples to understand that he's going away, but he's coming back. He introduces and says, you are going to have another comforter in the person of God, the Holy Spirit. That will indwell in you. That over in Ephesians 1, it lets you know at the point of salvation, you're sealed with the spirit of God. That means he's living on the inside of you. You're not the same like you used to be. Okay? And so then what happens? After he's resurrected, he's seen and he's sharing with the people and he's telling them to wait for the Holy Ghost. But before he tells them to wait for the Holy Ghost, he breathes on them and says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. When Jesus breathed on them, he already, it's like he set the table up. He said, the main course has come, the meal is coming. I got something for you, but receive it. And he breathed on them, received the Holy Ghost. And then we look at the day of Pentecost that happens over in Acts 2. The day of Pentecost fell, and I mean, everybody was on one accord. They were tarrying, waiting to see whatever heaven was going to do. And then the anointing, like cloven tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to touch each and every one in the house. They begin to speak in tongues of other languages that other folks are like, I can understand. That's weird. What? They, be, they must be drunk up there. Oh, no, these folks ain't drunk. They've been filled with the precious Holy Ghost. But Jesus helps us to know that once you receive the Holy Ghost, you will have power. Here's the thing. that If we look at it from a mathematic expression, you don't have any power until the Holy Ghost is an addition into your life. And then there's a multiplying effect that the Holy Ghost does in and through you. So again, if you're outside of the Holy Ghost, you have nothing. Is that fair? Is that good mathematics? Good so in the end of the day, we have to, when we're looking at this lesson over in Acts 3, 1 through 8, Peter and John, God, uh, these good godly men, they all have a backstory. Peter was the cussing man. Cool hand Luke with a switchblade. Took off a man's ear. Try to tell Jesus, oh no, I don't want you to wash me. Jesus explained why it was so important for him to be washed, and he was like, "Well, go, get me from Ruta to Tuta. Take it all." <laughs> Peter was the same one who was so zealous for God that when he came down when Jesus said, "I got to go and die," he said, "Oh no, no." And Jesus had to rebuke Satan out of him. But something happened to Peter, because this is the same Peter that walked on water. This is the same Peter that said, "Lord, if this be you, bid me to come." This is the same Peter. When Jesus said, the devil desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And when you're converted, I know you're hanging around, you're coming to church. That's cool. You're hearing the word, but it ain't made a conversion just yet on the inside. You still got some growing to do, some sanctification to do. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, but once you're converted, go strengthen your brother. And Peter did just that because he was in the upper room on that day. When he got filled, he was like, all right, I got something to talk about. On, Over in verse 1, it says Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. You know Peter was saved on the 3 o'clock prayer. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. Each day, this man, the lame man, was beside the temple gate the one that's called Beautiful Gate. So he could beg from the people, the churchgoers that were going into the temple. Verse 3 says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Hey, man, you got some change? Hey, man, I see you got the new Jesus 3000 sandals on. Can you, can you bum, bum me a pair? Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, man, look at us. These ain't the Jesus 3000 sandals. This is is actually Jerusalem marked. He was basically saying, look on us. We ain't got it all. The lame man looked on him eagerly and was like, but you got more than me, so run me the money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I will give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Okay. few got happy. But let's get 100% participation. You have a situation. They're born into church to worship the true and living God. You see someone, as we were talking in our lesson today, who's living in the margins of life who needs a healing, a blessing. He's asking for monetary, but Peter and John say, we got something better for that. You know, there comes a time when silver and gold ain't going to do. It comes a time when the call from Naboo ain't all what you need. Mama and daddy ain't always going to be available, but it's in the name of Jesus that things begin to change. So he says, and he says to him, Silver and gold have I none, but as much as I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Right. Understand right. the mathematic, underst- this is, I'm telling you, it's all kind of equations in here, okay? Look at this. Peter and John, human. But they have the addition of the Holy Spirit in their life. So now, it's not that they're superhuman. Right. mm they not no avenger. They're not even a titan. They are just simply Peter and John with Jesus. All right, all right. That's it. And they're speaking to the one who is crippled, who is lame. The one who can't seem to move about. And they don't say in the name of Peter and John. Right, right, right. They don't say in the name of Mary, Martha, Luke, John, and Acts. He don't say that. He says, but in the name of Jesus the Christ rise up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Two men, just like you and I, who've been saved by grace, who's been filled with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, Who understands the power of when you call his name. I don't have the money for you, but as much as I have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be free. In the name of Jesus, be changed, drunkard. In the name of Jesus, be delivered, man. Be delivered. Why? It's in the name of Jesus? He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking leaping and praising God. Why? Because it wasn't Peter and John that healed him. It wasn't the fact that he was sitting there by himself and and over time, I'm just going to do this for you. No, it was on the name Jesus and in the name alone. He went to the temple with them. Ain't that good? He got healed and knew to go into the house and tell God, thank you. So I have, that's all really I got. But I got a few other things just to close us out. I told you I wasn't going to be up here long and maybe I said it to myself because I knew if I said it out loud it was going to be a problem. <laughs> but it's in the name of Jesus. Here's a personal account because we have to make it relatable. Some I see some young folks, and God bless you young people, I, I was young just a, a week ago. I didn't say how many weeks. Okay, now everybody want to hear the words. And I remember hearing the word being preached. And I love the word of God. So much so, uh, Sakari and I were talking about the word of God in the, in the salon yesterday. Love hearing the scriptures. Love understanding what God has said and done through his people of old. But it was always when the preacher made it personal that I was able to connect it in a whole new level to the point where I understand that, God, if you did it for them, then you could do it for me. So let me tell you how it's important to call on his great name. My baby was diagnosed our baby was diagnosed in 2019 with stage 4B cancer. And I've seen that thing go through a lot. I've seen that thing go through her body and do various things. But I remember on the last few days before she took her flight to rest in his arms, she was agitated because she wanted to be home with the Lord. And her sister and I and the nurse were trying to get the needles together. And she's agitated. And all I kept saying was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And began to sing the song, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. And you know what's interesting? How calm she got. Couldn't physically hear. Couldn't physically see. But the spirit of the living God that would speak to the spiritual body that housed my baby and calmed her doubts, soothed every fear. And while I'm seeing what the Spirit of God is doing to her, what it did to me on the inside. But prior to that, over in June, had a good old time over in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, had a good old time hanging out in L.A., had a good old time feeling... And my body was feeling some kind of way, but I didn't know what's going on. Because when you've been in pain, it's hard to identify when it's a different pain. That's something that we have to be noticeable about. We got to take caution of that. Because sometimes we'll deny ourselves the healing that we need because we're so used to suffering. God wants us to be made whole. He doesn't leave anything out. I got so sick. And I felt, now, you know, you get the COVID vaccine and, okay, had those symptoms, okay, cool. But this began to linger, and my pain that I had wasn't normal pain. It's a pain that I don't wish on nobody. Had no idea that my blood was poisoning my body. Had no idea that I was on my way out of here, but I felt that if I didn't get some attention from someone who knows something, I wasn't going to make it. My mother coming to my aid and various things, but it was on even on the call ride. Before she even got to the house, Jesus helped me. I grew up understanding that when you call his name, not only does he dispatch angels, but he begins to move and lean in on the situation. And I'm in pain and I'm saying, Jesus. Then it got to a point where I couldn't even talk no more. But on the inside, it's Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, laying up in the hospital, having all kind of output going. But it's still in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Prayer warriors were being summoned all across the nation. And they were having to call on, not on Kermit, not on Sandy, not on but on the name Jesus. God, we believe you for healing for our baby. We're believing you for healing and restoration for our friend. It's in the name of Jesus. And just as I was going through something so dark that I never experienced, never understood what was happening, but when you understand that your blood is toxic, they tell you that if you would have waited a day, you wouldn't have made it. That's man talking. They don't know what God's plan is. But I thank God that even though my blood was toxic, his blood still worked. That same blood that flowed from Emmanuel's vein, that reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the deepest valley. The blood that gave me strength and gives me strength even today. From day to day, it'll never lose its power. It's in the name of Jesus. When you're feeling frustrated and you're angry with your spouse, your boo, your parents, or your friends at school, Zoom, you name it, call the name Jesus. Because he, even if you don't see that situation turn around the way you want it, know that he's turning you around. Knowing that he's fighting for you, he's working it out on your behalf. Because remember, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Why? Because I love you so. He said over in John 17, me and the Father are one. Yeah. And I'm praying that the Lord will you, that we would, you all will be unified. Just as me and the Father are unified. Yeah. Do you know that instead of going left and right on your friends, go to Jesus? Yeah. I think oftentimes, and I'm going to go. But I think about one more who called on his great name. Blind Bartimaeus. That's right. He's, he heard. He couldn't see because he was blind. He heard Jesus was in town. Yeah. You could imagine the commotion, Uncle Ben, when people say, oh, Jesus, now, he, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to call on him. I need a healing. I need my situation changed. I need this problem fixed and eradicated. So he began to say, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And folks was like, hush, man. He don't want to talk to you. He cried a little louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Are we bold enough like Bartimaeus to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, king of glory, won't you come in? Won't you have your way with us and teach us, oh, God, to call on your great name because it's in your name. It's in your name and no other name underneath heaven, which men ought to be saved. But it's at the name of Jesus. Speak his name. Amen. Amen. Wow.
1: Amen. Praise the Lord. There's just something about that name. Something about the name of Jesus. What a message. What a message. It's all in his name. How many know that it's all in his name? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord. You know, you see, sometimes we think too much. We got too much thinking going on when, when the name of Jesus is being called. When, when, when we're, when we're summoning the Lord Jesus and saying, God, I have some issues here. I have a problem, God. I don't know what to do. Because as she was uh, preaching there in, in Acts 3, uh, verse 6 and 7, silver and gold have our none, but such as we have we give to you in the name of Jesus. And you know what? The man of God did not waste any time. Because, see, sometimes the word is spoke over us, and we don't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And if we're not careful, we'll start thinking, well, what about this? What about that? But, you know, when the water stirred, we need to get in the water. And and he's, and, and, and they said to him, Silver and gold, have we not, but such as we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. And right there in the seventh verse, it say he reached out with his hand and grabbed him. And now it comes full circle. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Wow. It was no time to wonder what's going on here. And so when God began to knock on the tables of our heart, when he began to speak to our mind and let us know that, there's a better way that 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 god is calling you to salvation